Real Presence Live. It's this really powerful sense of, okay, you're seen, you're known, you're missed if you're not here. Local. It's that good crop of corn or beans or wheat or whatever it is that you do that, you know, you grow it, you grow it to the Lord, and if it doesn't come about, you just have to be patient and say, well, there's always next year. Engaging. Evangelization is the fruit of the love of God being poured into the hearts of Jesus' friends. Live. This is our charism, to be witnesses of Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. Good morning, everyone. This is Michael Goldsmith. I am with Father Randall Kazel here in the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with that. We've been here for a few times. So yes. Uh, it's just beautiful uh, to be with you this morning, gathering in prayer, gathering in evangelizing, and gathering in our Lord Jesus Christ in the season of Advent, awaiting his arrival, which is just a little bit over a week away. That's right. In, in the presence of Christmas season. That's right. How are you this morning, Father? Very good, Michael. Good. Great to have you here at the, my parish on Tuesday morning, the 17th. The church this morning intensifies her focus upon the coming of our Lord in the flesh uh, when our Lord was born in Bethlehem. The readings are more focused. Like this morning at the Mass, we had the genealogy of Jesus mm-hmm. from the Gospel of Matthew. And so it was a, a quite an a increase in focus that will take us all the way up into the December 24th and then Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So the, the real intense building on remembering yeah. Christmas is now underway. It's yes. a great, a beautiful time of year. I love this time of year. It is. With uh, Godaddy Sunday, do do we follow that all the way through up until the next? I mean, is that a part of, you know, because we have it on Sunday, right, with the rose vestments and... Yeah, do, Ga- do we call that all the way through this week? or No, Gaudete Sunday is particular to the to third the Sunday sun, okay. of Advent. And, uh, it, of course, the third Sunday of Advent can fall in a time range of several days about mm-hmm. this time of December. But that third Sunday of Advent is particular for that uh, emphasis and mm-hmm. the, the special privileges that are given regarding Gaudete Sunday with the rose vestments and possibility for more flowers in the sanctuary. Gotcha. Uh, just a little more festive and rejoicing to have that be... Just People anticipating, Sunday. yeah, the anticipation great. of our Lord's birth and remembering his birthday. Wow, awesome. it's a great joy. Yes, it is. Well, our first uh, interview today is with Brian Strand. He's a convert from the Catholic faith who's been a principal of a public school, and he's a football coach. And he had a major stroke, and that changed his life about a year and a half ago. And, and Brian's going to join us right now. Brian, are you there? I am here. Hi, Brian. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Yep. Good morning, Brian. I'm with you here. Good morning. Nice to, nice to have you on. Yep. Great. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, so Brian, you, know, you had a major event. I, I think I'll tell everyone off the bat that uh, Brian and I, were we go back to high school. We played on the football team together at Southland of Adams, and Brian went on to, to do some things, uh, some really neat things, I think. So Brian, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you find yourself doing now? Uh, yeah, I, I grew up in Adams. Minnesota, um, graduated with Father Kazel um, mm-hmm. in a class, I believe, of 47, 48 kids. Um, went on to school up in North Dakota where I played football at Mayville State. Uh, from there, I've gone to a couple of schools I taught in Monaga and taught in La Center, Minnesota, which is down by Mankato. And then from there, I became a high school principal in 2004. So I kind of thought I was done with the coaching. And then in 2005, I actually, the position opened up and I was asked if I would apply for it. So I became the head football coach here in 2005, 
taking over a very poor program. Um, I want to say they had won around 30% of their games over the previous 10 years. Um, so I thought it was a pretty good challenge to take. Um, you know, uh, it was tough going the first couple years, but since then we've gone on to win six section titles, probably eight conference titles, wow. been runner-up in the state tournament a couple times, and, uh, you know, I got married back in 2000 to Meg Grand, uh, who's was a McCarty from Park Rapids area. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very strong Catholic family. I believe they have six six kids, and they were all raised uh, very strong in the Catholic religion. And I want to say we had our first daughter. Um, we had a daughter in 2004. So about 2003, when she was pregnant, I decided to convert to the Catholic faith because I figured I thought it was important that you know, the family was under one religion in the household, and it probably helped me, you know, follow through a lot better um, if I wasn't going on my own. And so I went through the classes in the center, Minnesota, and um, I want to say it was probably the spring of 2004 that um, I finished my classes up and uh, converted to the Catholic faith. And then that year we... I. Took a job up here, and we've been here ever since. And I have three boys and a girl. Wow. Praise God on that, Brian. I remember hearing when you were going to become Catholic, because we, we were good friends in high school. Uh, we knew each other through the college time, more or less, you know, yeah. being able to connect. Uh, I know you were in North Dakota, and I uh, was here in Minnesota, but still yeah. keeping in touch. And I was, I was at your wedding, and when you... I remember you. Uh, I think you called me to say, you know, "I'm, I'm going to become Catholic." I was, uh, I was very happy, and I was. I, was, uh, I think I remember I, you taking me to Catholic like, church, uh, Father Kazel, in in high school. It was after one yeah, of the staff games. You you took me along with you down. I want to say it was in the Johnsburg Church, but maybe it was in Adams. But I thought yeah. it was in Johnsburg. Wow, I'm, I'm happy you remember that because I'm trying to think of when did that happened. I'm not surprised, and probably my mom and her dad probably invited you along too. They probably did as well. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's great. So, Brian, you know, the great things on the football field. How, how does our Lord help you? You know, be the coach you are. It's, I'm impressed with you and and how you carry yourself and how your team carries itself because you, and I, I know you know this as a coach, but your your team tends to take on. Uh, the traits of the coach and right. your, your team plays with great discipline with fervor uh, and you have good teams. How, how do you see that? And what does our Lord add in the, the middle of that with you? Well, I think, you know, um, you know, I, I try and, you know, show the kids. I, I go to church every Sunday. Um, when we take our kids out, we used to take the kids on a retreat uh, in the summer and it used to be three days. We go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We take the kids to the Catholic kids that want to go to church or anybody that wanted to go to church. We take them that morning um, since then, the high school league has changed that rule and that does not allow us to have any contact with kids on Sundays mm. whatsoever. Mm. So we had to, we now only go on a retreat Friday and Saturdays, um, which I thought, you know, we weren't doing any football stuff. The worst thing that we did, I mean, we t- took them to church and we fed them breakfast and sent them on their way. Um, mm. But if, I mean, just, you know, what the church teaches you, you know, just being a good person, leading by example. I don't sit and cuss and swear. On the sideline, I don't allow it by, by my players or my other coaches. And um, oh, that's great. Well, just, just trying to lead by example and you know get them to play hard. And and we work yeah. year round. Uh, I open the weight room up every day at six forty five. Um, kind of showing the kids that if you want to get good at something, you have to work and be 
diligent with it, and you know, um, hopefully that carries forward in their lives. I know I do a highlight video every year, and at the end of it, I said, you know, my goal wasn't to make you good football players, but was to make you good men. And I think that you know, um, winning and all, all that stuff is one aspect of being a good coach or a good leader, or you know, um, but you want them to leave here better than you know they they came to you as. So, um, you know, we're, we're such a small part of kids' lives, but yet we're kind of putting them on the right path. So that's what we try and do by example. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic, Brian. Yeah, I, I can see in uh, watching your players and how that happens, you're definitely rubbing on, you're influencing them. Uh, you know, so uh, almost two years ago now, is, or is it a year and a half when you had the stroke? Can you, can you tell I us about it, what happened? I had it in March of 2018. Wow. So that's uh, about a year, and a year and a half ago, approximately. Yep. Yeah, what, so what all happened? Can you tell us about that day, and what do you remember? Um, yeah, I, I had... Um, I have uh, my biological mom lives out in North Dakota. I had not seen her for a long time, and she had asked me to come out there and help her with some things. So I felt I should do that. So I went out there that day, that morning, and nothing out of the ordinary. Didn't feel any different. And then my wife and some friends were going to go out and play bingo um, over in a town called Rothe. Um I met them over there, probably around 5:30. I want to say bingo started around 6.30 or 7. Um, it was probably about a quarter to 10, 10 o'clock when we decided that we were going to go back home. And um, we were standing there um, probably trying to decide whether or not we were going to stop in Barnesville because um, I had not really had anything to drink or anything like that the whole night and because um, I was driving. Um, you know, set the good example. And Very good. And I was standing up and literally the ground kind of came out from under me and I couldn't stand up anymore. I kind of slumped into a chair. Mm-hmm. Um, people were looking at me like I had been drinking and the waitress came up right away and defended me. She's, he's not, this, something's going on because he has a, he's barely had a drink tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that point on, I didn't like the feeling of people looking at me in there like something was going on. So I went outside and my wife was going to take me to the doctor, sat me in the truck, and as soon as I sat down, I got really, really violently sick, like I threw up. So I mean, I had got, I'd gotten out of the vehicle, um, gotten sick, which actually we were with a, a nurse at the time, and she said, you need to get me to, to the hospital because, you know, that's the body's way of defending itself. So between Barnesville and Ross, say it's probably about 15 miles, and I want to say once I got in, I remember going up over the bridge to get on the interstate, and then from that point on, it's pretty foggy. You know, okay. um, my wife got on the on the line with nine one one and was talking to them, and they were asking if one side of my face was drooping, and um, which she said it was. You know, because I tried to smile, and I think only one side reacted. Um, okay. I was arguing, trying to get her to drive all the way to Fargo, but she pulled over, and the ambulance picked me up by Barnesville. And they were able to start the IVs and do that kind of stuff. And actually, um, it would have been, it would have worked against me, actually, if my wife would have driven all the way because they have to get a stroke team compiled. So by allowing the ambulance to pick me up, and again, that was her knowing best or, you know, whether that was somebody working through her or, you know, she knew better that she had to pull over and get somebody else to take care of me. So. I got to the hospital, and 
if they're able to administer um, the stroke medicine within three hours of having the stroke, it it helps you immensely. Um, you know, oh, it, yeah. it doesn't take away all the effects, but it definitely lessens them. Um, so, like, I mean, today I really ha- I may have memory issues because, you know, that part of your brain where the clot develops dies. Hmm, um, sure. But, you know, my well, hand... Pop- I, I'm still numb on my hand and my and my hand my hand and my face, but that's yeah. that's the least of anything that goes on. Like I said, my biggest thing is is remembering names or kind of forgetting things from time to time. So yep, that, um, that that's a big thing I think from you know from anybody that's had a stroke and yep. we're we're talking with uh, Brian Strand. This is Michael Goldsmith with Father Randall Kazel. We're at St. Michael's Parish in Pine Island, Minnesota, and we're talking about uh, how Brian became a convert to the Catholic faith and also uh, his story about how he's been a coach and he's had a stroke in the past year here. So uh, why don't you go into how, how yeah. that's changed your life, uh, Brian? Well, you know, it's kind of probably made me slow down a little bit. Um, you know, whenever I go into something, I probably go in full throttle. Um, that's just my personality. Um you know, from coaching to being a principal to, I mean, just my daily life, I suppose. You know, so um, it was, vi- it was, you know, when I left the hospital, I was using a walk, you know, a cane, um, very, very slow <laughs> walking, you know, for a while. And I ditched the cane within two days because I didn't like it. And I just managed <laughs> to start getting by with it. And I couldn't drive for about two, probably two months, maybe even longer. Uh-huh. And, and that was really hard to slow down. But again, my wife kept reminding me that I had to listen and that obviously there's a reason for this and God has a plan um, for yep. me. And maybe that's his way of telling me that I had to slow down a little bit. Yes. You One know. of the things that strikes me as you, you as you tell your story, Brian, is is how our Lord took care of you. You, yep. know, you were you were uh, even that whole night. How various things that your wife did, and you had another person there. There was divine providence, and how have you seen God continue to care for you? And maybe through the medical team at the hospital, people in the yeah, community. I mean, everything. You know, everything kind of worked out by the time I got there, and you know, my kids were able to be there when I came out. My my two older boys were there. Um, my younger kids were at home where we had some friends go over there and help take care of them. Obviously, they were very distraught as far as what was going on, my younger ones. Um, my older ones were able to get there, and, you know, just a t- time of family and bonding, and, you know, um, I was probably went in the hospital Saturday night, and I came out Tuesday night, you know, later in Tuesday night. So, um, and, then, and then I was and then off I- of work for a while, and then I started probably at a couple hours at a day and then I went to half days and I would say probably by by May so a month and a half after the stroke I was back to full full days yeah back at work and then it seemed to me there was a follow-up procedure that was done uh, almost a year ago at this time wasn't there yeah, something else that where where the doctors really wanted to get at the cause of the stroke and right. how did how did that all culminate for you so that the the stroke was caused by and it affects many, many people, probably about 10% of the population. I had a hole in my heart. And mm. when you are in the womb, your mom, your mother, body takes care of so much for you, one chamber of your heart is kind of deflated, almost. Mm-hmm. And then when you're born, that gets more blood, and it, 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 it grows, and it, it, it inflates pretty much. Well, when you're in the womb, there's a, there's a passageway between the top two chambers of your heart. 
And mm-hmm. for most people, for a good share of the population, that closes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Me, it never closed. And so, I mean, I could have had the stroke when I was in my 20s. I could have had the stroke at any point in time. There's no really rationale no. why it happened. The time it did, the day it did, nothing. Um, wow. That's... But, so they oh. went in uh, after the football season last year, uh, you know, and we lost in the championship game to Caledonia last year. So I definitely wasn't going to try and have the surgery in the middle of my year. So I had the surgery on a Friday, um, and they just they they go in through, through your leg, and they it's kind of it's kind of a device like an umbrella almost, and they puncture that hole, and they pull it back, and then they push a button, and it, it kind of grabs on both sides of that inside chamber of the heart. Wow! So the blood enters right. the heart. The blood enters the heart, and then it goes and gets filtered by the lungs, and then the filtered blood goes back to the that goes back to the heart, and then goes up to the brain. Well, in mine, wow. the blood came in and went with the clots in it that it normally has. The clot passed through the top two chambers, and that clot traveled into the brain and got stuck. That's what ultimately caused the stroke. So they and fixed that sign. hole, and, and I've got a device in my chest now, a wire that reads my heart every single day, and I sleep next to a machine that kind of sends my data every day to the hospital and then once once a month i actually scan my heart scan that device that's in there and it sends the feedback so that stays going for three years from the time they put it in uh sometimes they leave it in afterwards and sometimes you know they take it out but yeah. that's kind of well brian we're, brian i'm we're, sorry that we're running a little bit oh, beyond yeah. i i I, pre- right. I appreciate you being on the show this morning okay. and and we we wish you all the best and i know you're good friends with father and yeah. and i'm sure you guys will yeah maybe we'll have you on another time again so god oh. bless you and uh, we're going to go to a break here right now and i'm F- michael goldsmith with father randall yep. kazel thank you brian very good god bless you stay tuned to real presence live Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.